Thank you, Lord, for bringing us together, even on a hot night like this, Lord God, that you can, we know that you can move and speak to us and encourage us and bring us to a new place in you. And that's what we ask, God, that we would grow tonight and grow closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. With things like um, air conditioning grants and all of this stuff, it's a very significant time in our church. An amazing time in our church. Not just, you know, the foyer's been all done up and, and it looks amazing and inviting for anyone. Everyone who walks in says, gee, this is really welcoming. It's really nice, which is great. We love it. And, um, you know, in our church, the programs are going amazing as well. The things that we're doing are being blessed. God's doing amazing things. Uh, at Pop-Up Kitchen, as Matt said, numbers of people coming through in this church full on a Wednesday night and feeding those who are doing it tough in our community. Our youth group and our kids club are doing amazing as well, seeing record numbers go, come in there and God just doing great things amongst the youth uh, and the kids. And um, Norfa and Andrew have started a Thursday night multicultural dinner. That's amazing as well. Just God's blessing us and it's really, really exciting and it's really great. And it's, you know, when that sort of stuff's happening, you can get really caught up in it, can, can't you? You think, oh, wow, this is amazing. It's awesome. But this week, as God does sometimes, he reminds you of what really matters most. And so tonight I want to share with you uh, along those lines because I read a, a quote this week. I don't know where it comes from. But it, it says, the measure of a church's influence is, is found in society. On the streets, not the pew. The measure of a church's influence is found in society on the streets, not the pews. I think this is really important for us to understand. You see, as good as all our different gatherings are and as nice as our foyer is and as wonderful as it will be and it will feel when we have air conditioning in this place, the thing that matters most, the thing that is a sign of our success in God's kingdom is not those things necessarily. The sign that we're being successful is are people out in our community talking about what God is doing in this place? Are people around us wanting to know more about Jesus because of what and who we are in this place? You see, a few weeks ago I, I shared that our church is the way I would define our church is that we're a spirit-filled church and community-driven. That means, as simply as I can put it, that means we're so full of God that we can't contain it, that it has to affect the community we live in, whether that community is your family or your school or your university or your workplace, whatever community you are a part of, your relationship with Jesus should overflow into your community. It should impact your community. It should make a difference in your community. Because that's the way Jesus looked at the church. When Jesus talked about the church, and I'm going to share from it in just a moment, he saw the church as something that was permeating every part of society. He saw the church that, uh, that was influencing every strata of society. He saw the church as something that was literally invading the world he lived in. And we see it in the story in, in Matthew 16, 13 to 
18, where Jesus is having an interaction with his disciples. And they're having a little bit of a chat, as Jesus could do. And it says there, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? That's a bit of a loaded question, isn't it? I don't know if Jesus was needing a bit of encouragement, you know, build me up, make me feel better. I don't know, probably not, because he's Jesus. Um, but uh, they replied, some, are, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And then Jesus asked them, but what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? There goes my notes. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, comma, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Now you need to understand, Jesus only talked about the church twice in all the time, or might have talked about it more, but in the Bible he only mentions it twice. This passage and a passage when you're dealing with offences with a brother. And in this passage I think he sums up really strongly what he believes the church to be. And we're going to look at that a bit further, but... The thing I want to focus on right now about this passage is the question that Jesus says, because I believe this is the question that begins and ends what type of church we are called to be. And the question that he asked his disciples is, who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? And see, in this passage, Peter says to him, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And he says, Simon, Peter, you are, or Peter, you are blessed because you haven't worked this out in your own head, but my Father has revealed this to you. And then he goes on to say, and I will build my church. On this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades or hell will not prevail against it. Now, I will just talk about this right now because a few of us might have Catholic backgrounds and, and backgrounds in other churches and they interpret this a little bit differently. But from our understanding, what Jesus is saying is not that Peter is the rock that they will build the church on, that he would be you know, the first pope and so forth. But what he is saying, I imagine they're sitting around together and Jesus say, well done, Peter. And he says his name, you know, Peter, and you are Peter. So he's talking to Peter. But then I, if I was there, I think this is how Jesus would have done it. He would have said, and on this rock, Jesus, I will build my church. Not on Peter, rather on the revelation that Peter had. The revelation that Peter had was that Jesus is the Son of God, that he is the Messiah, that he is the answer to the world. And it's on that rock we build the church, or God builds his church. The church begins and ends with a revelation of Jesus. You see, the church is all about, the whole reason the church is, exists, as Jesus explains here, is to reveal Jesus. The rock that it's built on, the foundation it's built on, is a revelation of who Jesus is. 
the Son of the living God, the Messiah. You know, the kind of church we are depends on how we answer this question. Who do you say I am? I, as your pastor, I believe that one of the reasons our vision statement says to live like Jesus lived is because we want to have a revelation that Jesus is everything our world needs. Jesus is everything we need. That's my commitment to you as your pastor, that this church will always be built not on nice foyers, not on great programs. This church will always be built on the fact that we want to reveal Jesus to our world. That we want people to have a revelation of Jesus because Jesus is the answer. He is the Messiah. He is the one that can transform lives. And as he transforms lives, as he's transformed my life, and I know many people here, as he's transformed your lives, what happens? You then see the world around you transformed. You see the world around you changed. That you see the world differently because you no longer see it through your own eyes, but you see it through Jesus' eyes. So we're going to have a look at this statement that Jesus makes. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades or hell will not overcome it. We're going to look at that and work out what Jesus is saying about a church that's built on a revelation of him. Number one, Jesus owns the church. When we are a church that is all about revealing Jesus, what, the one thing we understand is that the church belongs to Jesus. Guess what? The church does not belong to you or me. We are a part of the church and we are involved in the church and we are members of the church. But at the end of the day, he says, I will build my church. I will build my church. So if it's Jesus' church, do you think he values it? Do you think it's important to him? Do you think he, he wants to see it grow and flourish and become everything it's meant to be? Of course he does. So we need to understand that it's his church. I think the reason a lot of churches are unhealthy and not are struggling in this day and age is because maybe they've actually taken the steering wheel off God and taken control of the church and said, I'll run it the way I think it is best. And that's a, a dangerous path to follow. You see, our responsibility as of members of his church is to get to know the owner and know what the owner wants. If he owns a church, then my mind says, and I'm going to be a part of that, then I need to know the owner intimately so then I can do what the owner wants me to do. Because when I do that, then I'm going to be blessed, as he tells Peter. The second thing is that Jesus tells us is that Jesus builds the church. This passage says, Upon this rock, I will build my church. It doesn't say, Upon this rock, Grant will build my church, or Joe will build my church, or heaven forbid, Mary had a little lamb would build this church. I've never heard a, a communion like that. It was awesome, David. It's fantastic. <laughs> Using a nursery rhyme to speak the truth, it's fantastic. It's a good job, a wonderful job. But if it was left up to David, we'd be in trouble. 
If it was left up to me, we would be, be in trouble. But when we trust in Jesus, trust in him that it is his church and he will build it, then and it will be built not upon our abilities but upon a revelation of him. Upon this rock. What's the rock? A revelation of Jesus. That's right. It's on that rock that we'll build the church. See, if we relied on a charismatic personality to build the church, the poor church would be in trouble. If we relied on technology and a fantastic building and all the latest mod cons, the poor church would be in trouble. But we don't. We rely that in our meetings, in our church, in all our activities, that Jesus would be revealed. And when we trust in that rock... God, Jesus builds his church. Jesus will build his church and he builds it by revealing himself to us. When he reveals him to, uh, himself to us, it transforms our lives. And in turn, it will transform the world we live in. Isn't that right? Amen. Third thing is that the church Jesus builds is a growing church. You see, the analogy that Jesus uses is one of building who knows what building works like? What do you do first when you, have, when you build a building? You lay a foundation. The foundation that we know Jesus' church is built on is the foundation of the rock, the revelation of who Jesus is. That he is the answer. He is the everything. When we build upon him, then you, know, you add your walls, you add your roof, you add your windows. You add, and all the, but it, what's that tell you? It's growing. It's getting bigger. It's becoming something more, something significant. And that's the church of Jesus Christ is a church that grows. That it doesn't just stand still. It doesn't just keep doing the same old, same old all the time. But it's growing, it's developing. You know, we're looking at adding different things to our church, not because we want to do more, but because it's opportunities for people to discover Jesus. It's opportunities for people to know Jesus. I'll give you this thought, though, and it's important for us to... Remember, because we live in a world where often bigger is better. Isn't that right? The more you have, the better off you are, they try to tell us. But in God's kingdom, it doesn't work like that. When we talk about bigger and growing, what we're talking about is maturing and becoming everything God has called us to be. Now, in nature, it gives us a really clear example of this. That if we were to just grow bigger and bigger, we'd become morbidly, morbidly obese and that would be unhealthy. But when we grow to a point of maturity and we get to a point where we are adults, the opportunity comes for us to get bigger and bigger, not through getting growing outwardly, but through reproduction. And so when you reproduce, you get bigger and bigger. So I believe God grows us to a point where one day this church will plant other churches. Because we will grow to maturity. We may not necessarily get bigger and bigger here, although we will, but, but we might not go, oh, we need to get a bigger building. No, we might say, well, why don't we send people off to plant another church and reproduce what we have established here? Because that's how God's kingdom works. It's one of reproduction, not just mass size. Does that make sense? It's an exciting thing to be a part of a church like that. The fourth thing is that, and you might not like this one, but it's truth because Jesus says it, the church Jesus builds will face opposition. 
Jesus refers to the enemy in this passage. It talks about the gates of Hades or the gates of hell. You see, when the church is healthy, growing and doing, revealing Jesus like we're called to do, building upon the rock that is Jesus, it will face resistance. The enemy will try to stop what they're doing. But the truth is, that's normal. That's okay. Opposition, you might think, oh, but aren't I meant to just be comfortable? Aren't I meant to just have a nice life? Isn't anything, aren't I just meant to be blessed? Well, tell that to Jesus who died on a cross. Who went that far to say, not my will, but your will be done, God. If we're doing God's will, there is an enemy who will not want to see us do God's will. And he will resist you. What we have to do, church, is we have to change the way we see opposition. Too often we see it as overwhelming and, and we run and we think, oh, how can I defend myself? What can I do? It's, this is too much for me to bear, God. But God would say, change the way you look at it. Rather than looking at it with fear, with fear and anxiety, look at it as opportunity. Look at, look at it as, I must be doing something right. If this is happening to me, I must be doing something right. Job's a great example of that. He was doing something right and everything went mental. And everything went pear-shaped. But God brought him through. It's an opportunity to trust in the rock you believe in. It's an opportunity to get a new revelation of Jesus. It's an opportunity to grow into all that God has called you to be. That sounds pretty crazy, but it's something I've Over the last 18 months, I really felt God has taught me that rather than worrying about this is going to fall apart or that's going to go wrong or what's the the house of cards will collapse, is to say, no, I'm going to trust in God. You know, we the first week back at Pop Up, it was an exciting night. We had a massive fight out in the out in the car park, and part of me went, oh no, people are going to get scared. They're not going to come back. They're not going to. But in that moment, I felt God say to me. Face it head on. Don't back off from this. Deal with it appropriately. Call the police. Do all the appropriate things. But tell the people what you're doing. And we told the people at Pop-Up, we will not tolerate violence. Both those people will not be back for a long time. It's not gonna, we're not going to allow it to happen because this is God's place and this is a safe place for everyone. And, you know, a week later, I was thinking, are people going to show up or are they going to be worried? We had more people show up. Rather than allow fear and anxiety to dominate you, put faith in, the, in its place and say, God, this is your church. You own it. You'll build it. I'll trust you. You tell me what to do and I'll do it. And as I face that thing head on, God's produced the blessing from it. And God's going to just continue to do that. And that brings us to the last thing about the church Jesus builds. The church Jesus builds is unstoppable. Come on. The church Jesus builds is unstoppable. Because Jesus' strategy to opposition is not retreat, is not defending. His strategy to opposition is advancing, is attacking. Look at David and Goliath. Look at so many stories. It's about moving forward. And this is the exciting thing. The truth is the forces of evil have been trying to stop God's plan for mankind, for humankind since the beginning of time. In the Garden of Eden, he tried to stop it. 
But God has always had a plan and his plan has never been stopped. His plan has been, we've seen it come to fruition. You see, this passage we've read, the gates of hell will not overcome, is what Jesus did when he died on the cross. The Bible tells us that he went down into hell and he got the keys of life and death and he rose again and gave us victory over sin and death. Amen? That's what he did. That's what he did. He, he is the fulfillment of this statement. But guess what? Now it's our opportunity to live it. Now it's our opportunity as the poor church, as the church of God, to live as an unstoppable force, as a force that, God, that is advancing here. It's a really interesting part of this passage. It says the gates of hell will not prevail against it, or the gates of hell will not overcome it, the, the rock, the revelation of Jesus. Now, when I was, years ago, I used to read that and I used to think about the fact that, the, and I don't know where my mind was because when I had the understanding of it, it totally flipped. But I thought, oh, the gates of hell are coming against the kingdom of God. That they're, they're attacking the kingdom of God. But I went to India a few years ago and I went to a place uh, in Delhi and other places and in India, we don't have them here in Australia, but in India they have these things called forts. They're massive. There's a red fort and a blue fort and a purple fort. No, there's just a, a few forts. But they're massive and they've got massive walls and around the, at the walls they've got gates. And they've got huge gates. And who knows what the gates are there for? They're for protection. They're for, to stop people they don't want to come in to come in. So the gates would open in normal life and they, they would buy and sell and do stuff at the gates. But if an enemy came, they would shut the gates and they would defend. And the, the strategy was basically if you had 100 men defending a gate, the strategy was a 10 to 1 thing, that you would need 1,000 men to overcome that gate to, because that's how strong gates were. That's, the, that's military strategy. And I, you know, I looked that up. So, it's a, so, but who has ever seen someone throw a gate at someone, or attack someone with a gate? Has that anyone ever seen that? Someone might pull a, a pail off a fence and try to hit someone with it, but no one. You don't see people use gates as a weapon, do you? So if you think about that, this passage says the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Well, that tells me who's the attacker? The church of God, the kingdom of God. We're the ones who are advancing. We're the ones who are attacking. And guess what? Jesus' example itself and, and Jesus' experience himself when he overcame sin and death is our example that it will not overcome us. It will not overcome us, that we will overcome, that as his church, the gates of hell will not prevail. So no matter how bad it looks out there, no, how, no matter how difficult it gets, God's called us to advance. God's called us to move forward. God's called us to see this peninsula transformed. He's called us to see lives changed. As we sang, sang that song, chains be broken. Lives, what is it? Be healed. Eyes be opened. Christ is revealed. That's our prayer. That's our plan. That's our desire. 
that there are people in our community that have chains, that are blinded, that are, are needing healing. And that, that will come when we reveal Jesus to them. When we're called to do that, that's our job. I want to read to you from the message how, how Eugene Peterson describes it in the Message Bible. I love it. When he's, he's saying this passage from Matthew, he says, This is the rock on which I will put together my church. What is that rock? Jesus. The revelation of Jesus. A church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. Not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. We are called to overcome. We are called to advance. We are called to attack. God's not finished advancing his church here on the peninsula. You know, it's no accident or God, God numbers our days and he knows exactly when our time's up. And this week, Joyce, the oldest member of this church who was here when this church was established in 1954, passed away. The last of a generation. But that's not the end. Because there's a new generation rising up. There's a new generation called to continue the work that was established in 1954. And that's us, the Port Church. We're called to advance. We're called to keep continuing to go out into our community and show them the love of God, to reveal to them who Jesus is. See, as a church, what are we advancing? We're advancing the rock, the revelation that Jesus is the answer that Jesus is the Son of God, that in everything He is all that we need. And when we put our life in His hands, our lives will be transformed. Our lives will be changed. Our lives will be better for it. And that's what we take into our world. That's what we're called to reveal to our world. You see, at the heart of the gospel message is that God didn't expect us to come to Him but rather he came to us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Jesus came to us. What did he do? He took on human form. He became man. The Bible tells us he became flesh like you and me. The way we describe that is he was incarnate, God incarnate, God in the flesh. This is the truth, that Jesus is still incarnate today in you and me. That we are now his body. We are now his hands and feet. We are the body of Christ. We are the temple his Holy Spirit dwells in. His Holy Spirit dwells in this flesh, in your flesh. We are not deity, we are not God, but God dwells in us. And this is the powerful thing, that Jesus was the light of the world. And our greatest significance as the light is not found in common light. Where is it found? When do you need light the most? In darkness. Our greatest significance will be found in darkness, not in the light. Because at the end of the day, the smallest light will defeat the greatest darkness. 
Our significance as a church is not found in this building. Our significance as a church is found out in that community. Our significance as a church is found in your families, in your workplaces, in your schools, in your universities, wherever you are. On Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. That's when we find our significance. Church, it's time for us to rise up. It's time for us to take on the rock, the rock, and say, we are going to reveal Jesus to our world. We're going to allow the revelation of Jesus to transform our lives so that our world can be transformed. In closing, I'll just share this last thing. This week, God reminded me of a a word that he gave me when we first started this church many years ago. And he, he said our church would be like the children of Israel going into the promised land. A whole generation had passed by and the new generation was ready to go in. And they stood on the, on the banks of the Jordan River and God gave Joshua a message. As they were waiting there saying, there's a promised land. And they're thinking, can we take it? Can we take it? Is it possible? Can we do it? And God gave them this word. Gave this word to Joshua. It'll come. There it is. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Church, God's word to you today. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Do not, be, do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. You carry the presence of God wherever you go. Anything is possible when God is with you. Let's pray.